Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. It has certainly been an interesting couple of weeks as the powers that be in Beijing set the growth dial to full steam ahead as April data looks to have again disappointed following the Shanghai lockdown. China's Politburo reiterated the drive to boost growth and provide greater support for the economy following comments from President Xi himself of an all-out push to increase infrastructure investment. This is a clear pivot back to old-school tactics as both the wider economy and consumer confidence continue to be hit by these rolling lockdowns. Now, infrastructure fixed asset investment could easily rise 15% year-on-year for 2022 as a whole. However, sudden moves such as this do tend to lower the average quality of projects being progressed. Also, many of the projects actually discussed thus far aren't actually new. The Gobi Renewables project, Zhongan City, but are being accelerated at a central government level, with local governments still struggling for revenue from land sales. Infrastructure spending will be more metals intensive. However, in our view, this will likely have to be backed up by property to have more meaningful impact. And the Politburo did all but commit to loosening of restrictions on the property sector, something we believe will be needed to bolster this consumer confidence and to accelerate growth. Our view remains that in China, when property moves, the whole economy moves with it. And though rhetoric is increasingly positive, China's pivot to growth did start in November and, as of yet, has not yielded much result. Thus, more evidence of a pickup in real activity will be needed, which may not happen until lockdown concerns and the associated logistics challenges ease. In saying that, sentiment in the domestic market does look to have hit a bottom. Um, my friends at PRC Macro note that online job searches by low-skilled workers have surged over the past two weeks. That implies a pickup in underlying construction activity as the government shows increased tolerance for local leasing measures. Meanwhile, truck flows and traffic congestion continue to climb from the Nadir scene during the Shanghai lockdown. We do expect improved China metals demand in the second half, with a return to year-on-year growth, provided the property sector can regain some momentum, particularly in the lower-tier cities, which Pelotour struggled. Things to watch for? Look for medium- to long-term household loans when we get the data through for April in the coming period. Pricing overall, however, for many of these commodities, the RMB to USD currency cross is likely to prove very important to general market direction. So with China's infrastructure push getting more airtime, naturally iron ore is coming back into focus. At greater than 60% of global consumption and over 70% of seaborne trade, it is the commodity most exposed to China. This has been a major benefit over the century to date and has helped iron ore shift from a somewhat dull bulk commodity to one widely understood and influential within global markets. Near term, China's renewed steel output gains with a relatively sharp rise in output over the past two months mean that we can justify iron ore prices at current levels. However, with China now seemingly set on seeing steel output trending lower even when trying to boost the economy, as recently reiterated by the NDRC, this may not lead to the extreme swing in near-term demand seen last year, but it is a, undeniably a clear headwind over the longer term. And if China's steel output is its growth, then essentially iron ore is its growth. How does the iron ore market deal with these changes? Well, we expect a continued maturity. Strategic relationships will become even more important, particularly around decarbonisation. Moreover, value and use making this comeback in recent years. There's certainly potential for more premium product blends to emerge, both for higher grade and lower impurity material. 
particularly so as the direct reduced iron market starts to accelerate. Indeed, of all the commodities we look at, iron ore actually might be the best place to achieve a green premium for low-carbon products. I also expect to see things like working capital funding employed to manage the natural seasonality, which can see hundreds of millions of tonnes per annum swings on an intra-year basis. For the major diversified miners, clearly using iron ore as a funding source for investments in future-facing commodities and outsized shareholder dividends, the best way to judge how they are managing the market is not by the general price trend, but by how well the lows are managed over the cycles. If we do continue to see higher lows or lows well above the cost curve, it can easily sustain some very strong dividends over the coming period. Quite often in recent years, we have seen very different near-term market fundamentals for zinc and copper. For once, however, they seem to be somewhat aligned. Both have raw material markets which are listening with spot treatment charges, in the case of zinc going from around $80 a tonne at the start of the year to $230 per tonne now. And that's with mine supply up about 7% on a year-on-year basis. But for copper, we've gone from about $50 a tonne on the treatment charge to $85 a tonne now. That shows that there's more material available. And for the latter, for copper, this is despite the disappointing Chilean production seen year-to-date, with first quarter Codelco results published last week showing a 6.3% year-on-year drop in Q1 amid weak output at Chiquicamata and Minestromina as high as. For once, the high prices seen for these metals are not a result of a lack of mine supply. And to be clear, nor are they a function of stellar demand. We see global consumption for both already running down year-on-year. China's lockdown hindered April data, meaning further deceleration. Rather, current prices are a function of low inventory availability, particularly in the developed world at a time where purchasing managers are already nervous. This means that smelter output is now a crucial factor to watch to determine whether markets stay this tight. Firstly, look at European output. And with more countries being cut off from Russian gas supply, I note here that Poland and Bulgaria combined represent about 1 million tonnes per annum of copper smelter capacity and 250,000 tonnes per annum of zinc smelter capacity, well, it's hard to see any dramatic recovery coming through there. I would, though, look at greater potential for Chinese market output gains, particularly in copper, where the 400,000 tonne per annum's Rangang copper smelter, which has been offline for the past month amid financial difficulties, well, it's announced a plan to restart production in May following an SOE takeover. The absence of this smelter from the market has been a key reason for the draw in visible Chinese inventory over the past few weeks. I'd advise keeping your eye on metal premiums to determine whether buyers remain as nervous as they are presently. To close this week, I'm looking forward to seeing friends and clients at Mining and Daba in Cape Town, particularly at the BMO reception on the Tuesday. This will be a very unusual in Daba move from its usual February slot owing to Omicron and coming at a time when Africa is becoming an extended geopolitical battleground between West, Russia and China. One thing we always like to look at is the size of the individual country stands at the Indaba Exhibition Hall to ascertain who is seeking investment. Interestingly, last time round, Saudi Arabia had the largest stand. We'll also be interested to see how African countries are looking at the metals and mining industry at a time of rampant inflation and high commodity prices, a time which historically has stirred up resource nationalism rhetoric. This is also likely to be the second in Daba in a row without any meaningful Chinese participation, and thus I'd expect to see other countries look to form strategic partnerships to take advantage of this. While I'd also expect to see further signs that African governments themselves are more aware of the value of resources they have, particularly when it comes to the global energy transition. Africa is very much a land of opportunity for metals, both in terms of supply and indeed long-term demand, but it could also be the front line from an ESG perspective. 
If you are at Indaba, please be sure to let me know. For those that want to cut one conference, I will be giving a presentation there on commodity market dynamics on the Monday. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at Colin hamilton at bimo.com to access our full disclosures please visit researchglobalzero.bimocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure